Watching along on the Foodland Supermarkets Facebook and YouTube live stream, you'll note the Police Commissioner Grant Stevens in the 5AA Breakfast Studio with us. Commissioner, good morning. Good morning. We've got a, another COVID wave upon us, it would seem. How concerned are you? Uh, I'm probably like everyone else. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't disrupt uh, Christmas plans. Uh, the community, I think, has really moved on from this intensive um, scrutiny and response to COVID. And as I said um, earlier this week in a, a select committee, um, it falls down to personal responsibility now. That's that's the best measure we've got to sort of hold it at bay and, and manage COVID within the community. That is, if you are feeling crook, don't go to work, don't go to parties, you know, just don't go to um, vulnerable family members. Hmm. So to that end, when we're talking now about a wave coming up, or hmm. the government will put out a warning and say, just is that is that just a a FYI? Be wary; it's going to be out there. If you're a vulnerable person, take precautions. Or do we still talk about it in the context that if it got out of hand, we'd have problems in the health system? Or is that well, I is think, that part of that beyond yeah, us? It definitely is. That- is. It, it, this is important information because. If we see case numbers rising, then people should be more vigilant about their own health. Mm. And if you are a vulnerable person, then you've got to really think about wearing a mask, um, being being cautious about where you go, because we, we, we need to look after ourselves. In, in terms of the, the health system, that there is a potential, if if we don't sort of do those sensible things, that the health system could come under stress, and that's the last thing we want. Um, the, the current legislative framework doesn't give us the ability to impose restrictions at the moment so we are relying on people to to do the right thing and if things got really out of control the only mechanism we would have to introduce more restrictions is going back to another declaration under the emergency management act which i seriously don't want to do yeah in the absence though commissioner of such a declaration because there isn't one at the moment and and you had a good what two years 793 days. Seven, <laughs> not that you were counting. No. no. <laughs> but um, so what's your status at the moment? Are you almost like detached observer who gets Interested the odd observer. call from, no. <laughs> from Professor Spurrier or from uh, the Premier or how does it work? Uh, yeah, well, I suppose um, one aspect is uh, Nicola, Nicola and I don't talk every day anymore. Mm. Um, there's no relationship issue there. It's just that there's not a need, um, although we have had a couple of conversations around the severe weather event that we've been dealing with. Mm. Um, the uh, the role I have now is I'm a member of the Emergency Management uh, Committee that's uh, a cabinet committee and uh, part of the discussions in that committee um, revolve around our current COVID situation in quite substantial discussions. I, mean, I suppose based on my past role, my experience, uh, my formal position on that committee, then I'm a part of those conversations. But I'm not a decision maker um, in isolation anymore. I'm part of a, a team, I suppose, that listens to information and discusses that and then makes decisions. Mm, mm. That's chaired by the Premier. Mm. Well, you, I mean, sorry, Will. You were just speaking of the... We just you had an old, good old-fashioned sort of emergency to manage over the course yeah. of this the, this last four days, it being a, a severe weather event. Any observations that come out of the, uh, the power outages that we've had, the conduct of people getting around and, um, and being safe at this time? Look, I think most people have, you know taken a pretty sensible approach to this. Uh, there was obviously um, a, a lack of information in terms of the, the, the duration, uh, and it was very hard for the authorities responding to the, the event to give any clear picture of just how long a lot of people would be without power for. Um, and I'm sure you've heard the comparison between... In fact, I think you had someone... Uh, you had Paul Roberts on talking about 
you know, the system black we had in 2016 mm. um, was, in some respects, easier to resolve than <laughs> the, the severe weather event that took out over 500 individual lines or, or transformers. So, you know, just the mammoth task that the, those services had to get around to restore all of those was always going to be challenging and was always going to take time, which meant some people are still without power now. But you know, they're working furiously to restore that. So it, it's, um, it didn't get to the point, though, where um, there was a need for any sort of more severe action under the Emergency Management Act. There was no need for a declaration. Um, yeah, people just got on with it. Um, yeah, I think it was one of those that was pretty well managed mm. and the, the community response was pretty proportionate too. Commissioner, um, there was a question in, in Parliament <coughs> yesterday from Upper House MP Frank Pangello to the Attorney-General Kyan Ma about the John Hanlon case, asking whether, if it emerged that anyone had knowingly or deliberately made false claims to ICAC about what Mr Hanlon was alleged <laughs> to have done, is that something that could attract the interest of SAPOL? Are you in a position to shed any light on, on whether that would be the case or not? How about those crows? <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to the Rory Sloan. Earlier. We'll get to the Rory Sloan captaincy question in a minute, Commissioner. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't hear what was uh, raised in Parliament, so it's probably not something I can comment on at this stage. Mm. Yeah, you were listening earlier because we did have a we did have a, a, a long conversation with Sean Fuster. Yes, a yes. Bit earlier about, about uh, Sean, Sean. Sean was wrong on one point. Um, Sean um, indicated that uh, the DPP must prosecute whatever the ICAC present to the DPP. That's not the case. Um, the DPP has the ability to assess the file and call for uh, more information or, or, or whatever they require to proceed into the prosecution process. That request does come back to SAPOL now. The, the changes to the ICAC Act about a year ago um, essentially cuts the ICAC out once they refer the file to, to the DPP. Um, in fact, it comes to us first now and then we have to give it to the DPP. If the DPP want anything else done, that comes back to SAPOL and we conduct those inquiries. But, so the, the, but the, what, but, the DPP is, point, the, is the decision maker about whether or not the matter is is pushed further into the prosecution process. To Sean's point, though, the DPP is guided to a large extent by what they receive from ICAC. Yes. And if, there's, if they get a certain pile of documents, then they're the documents that they work with. Yes. I uh, guess. The, the threshold for the, for the DPP is uh, an assessment as to whether there's a reasonable prospect of conviction. So mm. they assess the material that's provided. They may ask for more, which comes back to us. But the determining factor is, do they believe there's a reasonable prospect of con conviction with the material they have at their fingertips? Mm. To your how about those crows point, we, d we do always feel like we're walking on eggshells <laughs> talking about this, so quite happy to change the subject. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no mask mandates. A lot of people still talk about it. And I think on behalf of our sort of 75-plus listeners, age 75-plus listeners who haven't had COVID, and, and they're the most vulnerable yeah. group, they're, they're probably the people who are the most agitated by, by this. Yeah. Uh, the current legislative framework, there was an amendment to the Public Health Act that uh, we were waiting for so we could revoke the major emergency declaration. That amendment carried over some of the restrictions that we had in place at that time, but when a decision was made to remove a restriction, like masks, the Act doesn't allow them to be put back on, so you can only step out, you can't 
mm. scale up again. So the people you're talking about, the people who are concerned about it, my strong advice is to wear a mask. Um, you, you shouldn't need a mandate prescribed by government to make a common sense decision. We can all do that. We can do it. If, if we are concerned, we can wear a mask. It, it does. There, there are signs that we are a community with the training wheels off for the first time in a while, though, at the moment, I reckon, because I've had more conversations the last fortnight than I would have had at any point previous with people who either got COVID or in the vicinity of people who definitely have it, who have suddenly said to themselves, well, actually, what do I have to do yeah. now? If they're, if they're not unwell... I mean, they just manage it like any other country. That's right. Now. Well, the, the advice is uh, if you are unwell, if you have symptoms, stay home. Stay home until you're symptom-free, uh, like, any, like any other sickness. Mm. Um, and that's a change in our culture too. Like we used to encourage people to come to work. Absolutely. You know, don't, don't be a wuss. You, you've only got a cold, come to work. Yeah, well, now, soldier on with codril. Exactly. That, that's not going to fly anymore. <laughs> no. uh, you turn up to work now with you know, any sort of cold symptoms and they turn you around and send you home, which is sensible. Um, but... The, uh, the the advice now is if you are symptom-free, you can re-engage with work or whatever other things you have to do, but you should be wearing a mask for the same period that you were normally expected to isolate. And that's that's sensible. Have you... Has it been canvassed with Nicholas Burrier and the, and, and the powers at state government level about when does the next wave stop being newsworthy? When does it stop... When does it stop being something that advice is yeah. issued about... Well, this is probably the first wave, you know, and that, even that word is somewhat emotive, isn't it? Mm, know, we're talking completely. about, and I don't want to minimise, but we're talking about seven thousand cases out of a population of one point eight million. Yeah, yeah. But you know, this might be, if we don't act sensibly as individuals, then seven thousand might become fourteen, which mm. might become twenty-five. Mm. So you've got to be careful about it. But um, sorry, where, where were we going with that? We're, we're in, when's the last wave that oh, we yeah, talk about? Yeah. Um, Not the last wave that ever this happened. Is, that, that's what I was going to say. This is the first wave uh, since we've had an absence of restrictions. Mm. So it, mm. this is new territory for us, and you know, we're hopeful that people accept personal responsibility, and, and this is a manageable event for us. And I think if we get through this one, then the next wave might not be as newsworthy. And, and mm. I think we're going to have COVID in our community for a long time. Mm. So it'll, it'll become the norm, but... We should get used to public messaging around COVID because we we, we know it can put our system under stress. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're wearing the old newspaper hat. No one at the moment, you know, for years, unless you get a huge flu season like we had a couple of years ago, if a reporter came to you and said, I've, I've got a story, apparently there's a version of the common cold that's about to emerge, you'd go, well, you know... Hold the front page. <laughs> and, and I think I think we will get there. You know, the vaccines will continue to be available. They'll adapt those to suit the, any sort of changes in the virus. Um, this will become another thing um, at some point in time. But at the moment, we've got to keep a close eye on it because, um, you know, it, we're still under pressure. The system is not, you know, operating at 100% and everyone's aware of that. So it, it makes sense to keep an eye on it and make sure we give the information the public need to make sensible decisions. Great stuff. Commissioner Grant Stevens, always love having you in. Thanks for joining us this always morning. We'll catch up soon. Thanks. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, 6 to 9, 5AA Breakfast.